book of Esther. The book of Esther. And there's some Bibles in front of you. Uh, and I encourage you, if you have a Bible, bring it with you. Bring your Bible to church. That would be awesome. And uh, we have some Bibles in the pew there. Uh, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I was going to preach a different sermon this week. Um, I had another sermon in line. But in, in all of what we've been dealing with and all that we're being pushed against, against the church, um, I, was just, I really felt compelled by the Lord to change it. Uh, and so we've been, we were kind of doing a series on just being spirit-filled and spirit-led, and we'll talk more about that in time. But I really want us as a church, listen to me please, one more scripture that I've been getting when I've been praying in the sanctuary and home and, and around is Matthew 25.5. I've been getting it for months. I'm like, what, what is that? Well, what is Matthew 25.5? So I looked it up. You can look it up later. If you're rebellious, you can look it up right now. But Matthew 25.5 says that the bride's party, the bride's party was, was sleeping. They become drowsy. Christ was long, the king was long in coming, or the bride was long, the groom was long in coming back. And the bridesmaids begin to get drowsy and fall asleep. I said, what is that? Well, what does that mean? What is that? Is that me? Is that, the, is that us? Is that the church? Is it the church? And it really hit home today what that meant. The church is sleeping. We're getting sleepy. We're getting drowsy. We're kind of just, we're in a routine and while the world is beginning to take over and we're, we're, not, we're not doing what God has told us to do. He's, we're, he's called us to make disciples, but we're, we're holding on, oh, just Lord Jesus, come. I'm going to hide in the church. We can't hide in the church. The church is asleep. You know that old saying, Rome is burning? America is burning. America is on fire. It's not a good fire. It's not revival fires right now. America is burning and it's on the wrong track. And I hate to be like this. I don't, you know me, I don't like preaching sermons like this. I don't like, I don't like being a doomsday prophet. But the church must wake up. This is not Disneyland or Disney World anymore. This is not leave it to Beaverland anymore. This is 2012 and the United States of America is on the wrong path. And you and I need to start doing something about it. So now, if you have your Bible, if you, if you have it open, you're going to want to turn to Esther chapter 4, verses 14. And Jeremiah 29.11, you know the scripture, God wants a significant life for you, but we have to obey Him. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God doesn't want to destroy us. God doesn't want to destroy you. God doesn't want to destroy this nation or any nation in the world. But when a nation turns its back on God, He is a holy and righteous God and He must deal with it. Amen? You see, in America, we think we can do whatever we want and we can, we can do what we want. God's a loving God. He's a loving God because He's a loving God. He will deal with us. You as a parent will not allow your kid at the age of five years old to start smoking and drinking or burning the neighbors. Oh, it's just whatever they want to do. You will not allow your kid to eat a box of Twinkies every hour. If you're a loving parent, you're going to say no. Amen? If you're a loving parent, you're not going to let your kid drive their car up and down illegally, up and down 270 without a license, 5,000 miles an hour, you're going to deal with that, right? And you see, America is like that. We're kind of doing what we'll do what we want. God, you still love us. And God says, you know, I do love you, but there's a time when you've gone, over the, you've gone over the line. I'm calling you back. I'm drawing you back. Please listen. Please listen. He's saying right now, please, he's saying, church, I'm calling you back. Would you rise up first? And then I'm calling back the nation. And if the nation and the church don't respond, then he begins to deal with us more severely. Do you understand what I'm saying? Look at the scriptures. You begin to see when Israel and Judah began to turn away from God, he first was very loving and kind and drew them back. And as, as the more disobedient they got, then he began to bring down the hammer, more to say, because they weren't listening. 
They weren't obeying. And then their, their countries were in shambles in many times. And he always was drawing them back. And this scripture, Jeremiah 20.11, he's talking to them. He's saying, I will not always, always discipline you, for I have great plans for you. Not plans to destroy you, but hopes for a future. Our future is at stake. And so let me read this now to you. Esther chapter 4, verses 14. And this is kind of the premise we're going to talk about, is if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for, for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Say that with me. For such a time as this. Ready? For such a time as this. You live in this place. You're in this room at this time for such a time as this. The church can either hide, we can curse the darkness, or we can start being the salt and light God has called us to do. And God is, is pleading and He's calling out to the church, be the salt and light that this world needs. Now is not the time for us to retreat. I'm going to be honest with you, there's been even a thought in my mind, will, we have, will, will I have to relocate my family from Maryland someday? It, will I have to move my family to another nation someday? And God, you know what? He was very nice with me, but he, he disciplined me. He said, no, you're called to be salt and light in this state, in this nation. Do not run. Do not hide. It's not time for the church to hide. It's time for us to get up. Amen? The church hid during the whole abortion issue. We can't allow that to happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? The church hid when, when, when uh, Hitler took over Germany. The church hid when the communists took over Russia. We have to wake up, church. For such a time as this, we've been placed in this place. So here it is. I think everyone in this room desires to live a significant life. And each one of you have been given a dream to desire to do, fulfill. But if we are an unrighteous nation, that dream will never come to fruition. God has called us to use our gifts, our talents, and our ability, and our influence to touch the world. There has never been a time like we've ever had before. Nations have come and gone. Societies have come and gone. But we're, we're at a place where the, we can help our nation. We can help our society. We can help the nations of the world. Amen? We've never seen a more polarized society. We've never seen a, a, such an onslaught of evil or good versus evil or when they're trying to tell us what evil is. And I, 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 I get the post. And I, don't, I, I read the paper. I don't read it, but... But if you've seen the paper in the last few weeks, it has been an onslaught against traditional marriage. And, and, and I've been reading just talking about how people are trying to change and, and trying to change what the Scripture says. And, and it's, it's appalling that as believers that we don't stand up and, or we don't even know the Word as well. And people are misquoting it and using it for their own purposes. We have to know the Word. We have to live the Word. Amen? So we have been placed on this earth for such a time as this. And God wants to use us, the church, to make a significant change. A good change. Amen? All right, I'm, some of you, you're raising the past tense. Oh my goodness, I, I don't even want to be here right now. You want to be here right now. This is a wake-up call for the church. This is a wake-up call for this church. This is a wake-up call for you and I to start saying, God, we're going to stand up for something. Amen? The first thing is this, the call of royalty. Esther chap, chapter 2, if you want to go back or if you want to follow, I don't know if I have the notes up there. Um, Esther chapter 2, verses 15 through 18. Let me just read this for you. Um, it says, when, when the king came for Esther, the girl Mordecai had, had adopted the daughter of his uncle, Abihel, to go to the king. Verse 15. He, he, she asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch, was in charge of the harem, suggested. And Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. She was taken to King Xerxes in the royal residence in the tenth month 
in the month of Tebath in the seventh year of his reign. Verse 17. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than any other of the other women and she won the favor and approval more than any other of the other virgins. So she, he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Verse 18. And the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all the nobles and officials. He proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with, with royal liberality. Now, if you don't know what happened, this is a, this is a real kingdom. The, the kingdom of, of Nebuchadnezzar and Xerxes and Artaxerxes and Azarias and all them, it spread from what they say was part of China through India, through, through what, what was now Iran and Iraq, even over into where Turkey is. It was a large, uh, a large kingdom. And they had taken the children of Israel captive because the children of Israel continued to live in sin and God took them captive. And so the children of Israel lived in, in, in Babylon for 70 years in captivity. And so what's happening now is, is the children of Israel, God is putting them in, in, in significant places to begin to change the culture and, and to begin to spare his people. And so here it is, Queen Esther is coming from a, a, just a, a life as nobody into royalty. Okay, so the first thing is this, is a call, the call of royalty, letter A, created for more than mediocrity. Created for more than mediocrity. Okay? So before Esther was queen, she just lived with her uncle and then she, called, she was called from a nobody to become a somebody. Okay? You say, Pastor Stan, I, I, I'll never be royalty. I'll never, I'll never be a head of state. And that may be true. But you and I were created for more than mediocrity. You see, mediocrity is ruining, another one of the things that's ruining our nation. Just do what you can. Just, just do the least that you can to get by. And that flies in the face of God. It does. God says, do all that you can for my glory. Be your best and all that I can. And so, so our society has redefined to us what, what normal is, and that's mediocrity. And, and that just flies in the face of God. We, have been, we begin to become brainwashed to become average. This, this doesn't fit with God. God doesn't want an average church. God doesn't want average Christians. Are you hearing me? God wants spirit-filled churches, spirit-filled believers making a difference wherever they go. Young man, young lady, you're still in school. God doesn't want you to be an average student. You, you may not be an A++++ student, but still you can be an exemplary student for God in your classes. Amen? Some of you working in the workplace, maybe you own your business. Some of you are like, we're just an average business. God wants you to be more than average. He wants you to be more than an average doctor, professor, lawyer, a teacher, a homemaker. God is calling us to be more than mediocre. Amen? So God set up Esther as queen to save her people just as he did with Moses and Joseph. You see, my friends, God has set you and I up for such a time as this. We can, and I'm so sick of it. Bush did this, Obama. I'm tired of us blaming. The church needs to stop blaming and start doing. We need to start being the church and start changing our society. Amen? We need to get on our knees. We need to be the light. You see, God has set you up to touch people. Listen to this. You can touch people I will never touch in your career. You will touch people I will never touch because of where you live, because of where you frequent, because of your family. You have more influence than you think. And God is saying you are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation called out of darkness. And so now you're to live and you will touch your community. So let it be, all of us have God-given talents. Say, I have God-given talents. And God gives you those talents. He says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Whatever gifts you have, 
You're to serve your nation, serve your workplace, serve your family, serve your church, serve God in the world with whatever gifts you have. Amen? You might be a carpenter. You might be a cook. You might be a scientist. You, you might be able to sing songs. You may not be able to sing songs. Maybe you can do math real good. I don't do, do good math. And you're whatever. You, you're a bean counter or whatever. Whatever you're called to do, you're to use those for the glory of God. Amen? You're to try to make society better through those. And so every one of you have gifts and talents and you're to use them. And God greatly blesses us when we use the talents He gives us to further His kingdom, to help society off. Amen? Did you know that, that a lot of hospitals and universities are started by, guess who? Christians. Now, some of them are far from Christ now. Did you know most people don't know that Christians are the ones that have, have come up with some of these scientific breakthroughs that have brought healing to our land and to our, our society through, through ages? It's Christians trying to be excellent in what they do because God's given them gifts and talents. So, so you say, okay, well, I'm nobody. You need to stop saying that. You are somebody in Christ. You are important. You, this world needs you. Amen? This world needs you. So stop. Well, I, all I do is I go, and, I go to work and I change tires. I change oil. That's awesome. Do it with a smile. Be, be a light. Well, I just go and I teach, I teach a classroom of just these, these unruly kids. Then bring rule to their life. Be a loving person in their life. Amen? Well, I sit, I sit down at a computer all day and I have, rarely have influence. Well, you do because you're emailing people, you're texting people, whatever. You have influence. More ways than you think. Amen? Use your gifts. Use talents. Let her see. How will you use your talents? How will you use your talents? First Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praise of Him who's called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. You, see, you said earlier, we said that you and I may never be royalty or head of state. But in actuality, you are royalty through Christ Jesus. Maybe some of you have some royal blood in your family. Maybe you have, maybe you have a leader or maybe you are a leader of something. But you're a royal priesthood. And so you can have influence in this world. Amen? I'm reminded of the parable of, of the, in the book of Matthew, chapter 25, about the talents. We've talked about this in the past, where, where the, God gave the talents to the three stewards, and two of the stewards took the gifts, and he, he multipl- they multiplied them, and one of the stewards took the gifts and buried it in the ground. Remember that? Are you with me? Matthew 25. Read it later. Not today. Right now. Okay? But um, they took it, and, and, and then the master called all of, all of the servants together and said, okay, what have you done? And the first two said, we've taken it, we've multiplied it. And he said, well done. Here's more. And then the third one said, I was afraid, and I hid it. What did the master do to that third one? He said, you fool. And he took that talent and gave it to us and he cast that servant into darkness. And you see, a lot of times in Christianity and in the American church, we think, well, I just have this one talent, I'm just going to kind of keep it quiet. God says, no. That talent, that gift is to be used in the church and outside the church. This is not the time for the church to hide. Amen? You're to use your gifts and talents to touch and change our society. Amen? So we have to say, okay, God's given me talents. He's given me abilities. And I need to do it. Now, let me say this also. You know, we're, we're into this now. Well, you know what? They have more, so we should get theirs and give it to everyone else. No, God gives everyone gifts according to their ability. Some of you don't have a billion dollars because you can't handle a billion dollars. Some of you have not been made the manager yet because you can't handle being managed because you haven't been faithful in that small thing. You see, if you're late to work every day, why does, why does the boss want to make you a boss? That's good preaching, amen? If, if your company tells you, just take, I want you to follow through with these three tasks, and you follow through with one, 
and you're mad because they haven't given you a pay raise, God gives you abilities and talents. He, he's, he's also watching how you do that at work. When your boss leaves, and like, all right, woohoo, the boss, let's just kick back now. You're hurting yourself. God says, whatever talents I, you, I give you, if you're faithful with those things, whatever abilities, whatever task your boss, your company asks you to do, and you're faithful with those, I will bless you for being faithful. If you're not faithful, I'm not going to bless you. We live in a land that wants to be blessed for being unfaithful. That's wrong. We can't live for that. We have to say, God, I'm going to do the best with what I can, and you'll glorify yourself by, by me being a blessed person. Okay? So how would, how would your workplace, or the church, or our nation changed if we were more concerned about accomplishing something instead of trying to hide and do the less sin that we could? What would happen if we were trying to be a light more than we tried to hide our light? Amen? If we start using our talents for the glory of God. Let me move on because I've got to move on. The enemy's plots to destroy mankind. Uh, Esther 3, verses 5 and 6. I don't think I have it, but if you want to write this down. Esther 3, 5 and 6. And if you have your Bible open, you can turn there. The enemy uses people. Letter A, the enemy uses people. The enemy of our souls is out. The Bible says in John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the enemy. Mordecai is, is used by the enemy. Esther 3, 5 and 6, it says this. When Haman saw that... Mor- I'm sorry, Haman was used against Mordecai. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay honor him, pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the killing of, of Oleus Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all, the, all Mordecai, Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole region of uh, the whole kingdom of Xerxes. In this account, Haman was used by the enemy of our souls to try to destroy God's people. If you look through world history, there has always been someone trying to destroy God's people, the Jews, and God's church. In fact, if you look all through history, the enemy has been using kingdoms, dictators, countries and wars to destroy. Gang warfare, drugs, addictions to destroy. If you look at a world today, you see there's a mass onslaught of the enemy, a contract to destroy people's lives. Would you agree? I mean, there's wars. There will always be wars. The Bible says there will be wars and rumors of wars. Countries are trying to destroy each other. The enemy puts us against each other. And, he, and it's always the enemy using man against man. It's always man against man. So let it be. The plan is, is to destroy mankind. The plan is to destroy mankind. You have to look at it with spiritual eyes. It's not an accident that extreme religious people are terrorizing the world right now. It's no accident that thousands of Africans are being displaced because of religious wars in their continent right now. It's not an accident that almost every year 1.2 million babies get aborted before they're going to get a chance to be born. That's not an accident, church. The enemy has a contract against you and I and unborn. And if you look at it, the enemy is always trying to destroy mankind. It's not an accident. It's, not, yeah, it's their choice to do what they want, but they're, they're falling into the enemy's hands. So let us see, our battle is not against people. Hebrews 6.12, it says, For our battle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Listen to what I'm going to say, okay? Our battle is not against President Obama. I may disagree. In fact, I very disagree now with President Obama's stand in marriage and abortion. But he's not my enemy. I don't agree with everything Mitt Romney does, and he believes. He's not my enemy. 
The Republicans are not my enemy. The Democrats are not my enemy. Do you see what I'm saying? Muslims are not my enemy. Buddhists are not my enemy. Christians should not be my enemy. Black people are not my enemy. White people are not my enemy. Indians, Asians, Latinos, they're not my enemy. I have one enemy. His name is Satan. And he's going to do all that he can to get you and I against each other. And, and, and whether, whether it's through politics, whether it's through economy, whether it's through schooling, whether it's through whatever, he's going to make us hate each other. And we have to be careful not to do that. You shouldn't hate people, amen? Homosexuals are not my enemy. The enemy of our souls is my enemy. And I cannot allow this church or any church to stand by and let him have his way in our nation or the nations of the world anymore, amen? We are against Satan and his works. So, so number three, the cry for help. The unheard cry for help of the world. Mordecai sends word to Esther, and I don't have time to go into it today, but Mordecai sends word to Esther that there's a decree out to destroy the people, her people, the Jews. Her people are marked with destruction. The Jewish people cried out and they fasted for relief for this evil. And you see, every day there are people crying out they're crying out. They're acting out. They're looking for relief from this world system. And you and I have the answer. And His name is Jesus Christ. You see, they might, be, they might seem happy on the, on the outside, but they're crying out for help. Can you hear them? Are we ignoring them? You see, Esther was safe in the palace. Now think about that. I mean, I don't know about you. I could, I could, that would be cool to be pampered in the palace. Right? You ever thought about royalty? It's a rough life, isn't it? Someone, every, everywhere you go, they open the door, they drive you everywhere, they give you clothes. They, I mean, they give you... Well, I wouldn't want a beauty, beauty treatment. I'm not into that, okay? I don't, I'm not into that. But, you know, feeding and, and, and all that stuff, well, I get, I get tired of it. But, but some, someone's like, well, that'd be awesome. So, so here's Esther. She's in this pampered lifestyle. And she's in the palace and she can't hear the cries of the people around her because she's living this lifestyle. And you see... We are safe in the walls of this democratic nation. We're busy. And some of us are relatively happy with our lives. We're running to and from work. We're running kids to and from. We're doing this. We're going home. We, we come in our home. We, turn off, we, turn off the, we shut off the world around us. And we're deaf to the cries of the world around us, crying out for help. We say, as long as I got my satellite dish, as long as I got my Starbucks, as long as, as, long as I got my, my stuff, I'm good. I don't care what the world does, but the problem is that it's going to begin to affect you. They're going to become look, come looking for you next. We cannot live in the comfort of the palace forever. We must wake up. Amen? I know this is tough, but here we go. Letter B is the real spiritual cry. The real spiritual cry. 1 Timothy 2.26 And that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who takes them captive to do His will. There are people you know that are taken captive by the enemy. And you have the gospel that can set them free. You have the gospel. You can set them free by telling them about Jesus, by praying for them. You see, all this suffering that we see in the world is caused by sin and Satan. It's not George Bush. It's not President Obama. You've got to grow up and get over that, really. I'm, can I be honest with you? I'm so sick of hearing that. It's Obama's fault. It's, Pre it's President Bush's fault. It's sin and Satan destroying our land, destroying every nation of the world, destroying all mankind. We must see it as it is. The enemy of our souls is, is behind all of that. 
we've got to start attacking the enemy of our souls. Amen? We must begin to hear their spiritual cry. What happens when the church wakes up and we're moved to spiritual action? What happens when the church begins to see that we can relieve the suffering by presenting the gospel? By being the gospel? Amen? What our world needs is not more money. Our world doesn't need a better economy. Our world doesn't need a political, another political candidate. Our world needs Jesus. Our world needs the church to stand up and be what it's supposed to be. Salt and light. Amen? Pastor, you talk about the light. Because we've got to wake up from this world. This world is not our home. This world is not our home. It's going gonna, it's gonna to burn away and pass away. But what we do for Christ is going to matter. Amen? I know this is a great Mother's Day message. Mothers, you're relieved, aren't you? I know this is exciting. Number four, our response. Number four, this is the response that Esther said. Number Letter A, I can't. I'm only one person. I can't. I'm only one person. Mordecai goes and he sends a message to Esther. Esther's like, well, what can I do? I can't approach the king. Esther says, here, here's some gifts. Mordecai says, I don't want the gifts. I want you to go to the king. And Esther says, I can't go to the king unless he summons me because in this time, King Xerxes had, had his, his way that the only time you could come to the throne is if he, if he summoned you. And if you came before the throne and you weren't summoned and he didn't extend out a scepter, you would be dead. And so, and so, so, so she says, I can't go to the king because I'll, I'll be sentenced to death. Esther was in fear and thought at that time probably only of her own life. And you see, I can be like this. How often do I just think of my own life? How often do I just think of myself? Well, I can't do anything. I'm just one person. I, but, but you see, we've got to get over this. So you know what? I'm called by God. When I unite with other believers, we can make a difference. Amen? Well, Pastor, that's great because you, you have a nice cush job as a pastor of a church. I might lose my job. I might get fired. I might get kicked out of my housing. It's illegal for me to preach about Jesus. No, it's not. In the United States, we still have what's called the freedom of religion. Still, it's, they're trying to change it. Now, I'm not asking you to get up on the desk and start preaching and telling them whether they're going to burn in hell, but I'm asking you to be a light. And if you get fired for preaching Jesus, then God will give you a better job. Amen? Don't be afraid. God puts you in your career, in your neighborhood to save people. You work where you work because you're a missionary to that workplace. You live where you live because you're a missionary to those people. Amen? I'm encouraging you. It's getting warm. No, get to know your neighbors. Well, they're Asian. I don't know. They're white. I don't know. They're out. You get to know your neighbors. Be light to them. Amen? Be a light to them. Say, God, how can I minister to them? How can I reach them? I'm reminded there was a man that came here for a while during, during the, the last, the, whatever we called the Gulf War. He was called up. He was in the Navy. He was a, he was a, a master chief. Uh, and he, he was in the Navy on an aircraft carrier. And they went to a nation that was less than 3% Christian. And they were told by, by the nation, they were told by their, their commanding officer, you are not to preach Jesus when you're off the boat, off the ship. I'm sorry, the Navy calls uh, an aircraft carrier a ship. You're not to preach the good news of Jesus. You're not, you're not to do that off the ship. So he was dis- discouraged. He got on his knees and in his quarters. He said, Lord, what do I do? And he said, they, the Lord just told him to be alive. So what he began to do when they began to go out to eat and they began to go out in the economy, they would sit there and they would, look at their, they would read their Bibles during their mealtime. And guess what happened? People came to them and asked them about Jesus. 
You see, some of you think, I'm not calling you to be a preacher and yell. I'm just saying, be like Jesus where you're at. Be like Jesus where you're at and God will give you opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. Amen? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Amen? Because God says, if, if, if you honor me, I'll honor you. But if you're afraid of me, I will be ashamed of you. God does say that. Mark 8, 38, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory and with the holy angels. And then Romans, Paul says in Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentiles. And then he says to Timothy in, in 2 Timothy, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. People will make fun of you. You might get threats. You might lose a job for the sake of the kingdom, but God will always take care of you for standing up for Him. Amen? Don't be afraid of that. God will always take care of you. Let her be. Wasted potential. Wasted potential. You are not supposed to die with your potential. There's a saying in sports, and I happen to like sports, okay, just a little bit. And, and, and I think, you know, God's football team, the Denver Broncos, hopefully God will forgive them for getting rid of a good quarterback. But, but, but athletes say, leave everything on the field. In other words, don't bring anything back. Do all that you can when you're on the field. Do it all. And God is saying the same thing to us. Don't die with your potential. Don't waste your potential. Well, I, I know I had this gift, but I never used it because no one asked me. Then go up and do say, can I do something? I'm going to talk, maybe I'll talk about it next week, but I was, I was going to talk a little bit about being spirit-led. Sometimes the spirit-led means have the ministry of go until you get no. Have the ministry of go until you get no. A lot of times in church we say, well, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm, I'm in the ministry of no until I get to go. And that's not always right. You need to go until you get the no. Paul, in fact, I'm, I'm doing a sidetrack a little bit. Paul gets the call to the Macedonian people and he says, hey, let's go. So they go and then the Holy Spirit tells them not to go to certain regions. Paul's mentality is, I'm, I'm going to go until I'm told no. Too many people in church say, I'm waiting for God to tell me what to do and then I'll go. The Bible's very clear. Matthew 20, 18-20. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Go until you get the no. Do you see what I'm saying? Church, we need to stop waiting. Around. Well, I'm going to wait till Pastor Stan comes and personally asks me to help in the ministry. Okay, I'm personally asking you. Will you help now? Well, that's not very personal. You're asking everybody. I'm personally asking everybody, you in front of everyone, would you help? Would you bring your gifts and talents to your workplace, your home, your nation, to this church, to the community around us? Amen? Would you begin to say, I'm going to practice the ministry of go until I get to know? Amen? That's more scriptural than waiting around. We're always waiting. You know, you know, you know the story. I've I, I got to stop. I'm getting off. You're not to die with your potential. You're to use your potential. We're all born with great potential and we're all called to live productive lives. But we cannot waste it. Amen? Use the talents God gives us. Your company, what would happen if you used all your, your gifts and talents in your business? And you did it with, with vigor. Yesterday we were, my daughters had a soccer game and, and then field hockey and we went to a place, I love this place called Jersey Mike's. They have great sub sandwiches. Mm, getting hungry yet? And so, so the workers, they were full of vigor hey, and they were all excited and they were, they were talking and, 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 and you know, one of the girls was like kind of looking and I said, man, they, they love their job. I said, I'd rather be in a place where people love their job than a place where they're like, what do you want? In fact, I, I was at district council and, and I was at a hotel staying there and, and the server was quite the opposite of the ones that were there. 
She, I mean, I, you know how this. Sometimes you go and they have a restaurant or a buffet or, or whatever breakfast. And I stood there waiting. And, the, and she's like, sir, can you just sit down? We'll serve you. I was like, okay, sorry. You, typically when you walk in a restaurant, you wait until they seat you. And so she's just sit down and we'll get to you. And I was like, ooh, she doesn't like her job, does she? And so the difference is, if that's you as a Christian, you're, you're, you're dying with your potential. Man, if you hate your job, then ask God to give you a better job. I've been there, but I did my best in that job. Do you see what I'm saying? Don't die with your potential. Live it out. Amen? Are you doing okay? What would happen? If the church believed that they were the church that could change the world. If we stopped living in fear, we started the, the ministry of go until we're told no. You see, Mordecai rebuked Esther saying in, in Esther 4.14. He says, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that for such you've come to a royal position for such a time as this. You see, we must go. We must be light. Amen? Let her see as you must. Because check this out. You and I will be held accountable before God. We will stand before God one day. He will ask us, what did you do with the gifts and talents that I gave you? Well, I just kind of, I was just busy. That's not a good answer to stay before God when you stand before Almighty God one day. Amen? We are going to be held accountable. You see, if we don't act now, tomorrow may not be secure as it is today. If we don't stand up against this same-sex marriage thing, tomorrow might be a lot different. I might be in jail next week or next month or next year. You might be told that you can't talk about Jesus and they might arrest you and might kick you out of your job. You see what I'm saying? Well, pastor, just a small group of people, but they're having a greater influence in the church right now. We must stand up, not just against them, but against what evil is doing in our world and destroying people. Do you see what I'm saying? Well, I've got my stars, I've got my car, I've got my satellite, but you're not going to have it much longer if we don't stand up. You see, Esther then responded to the rebuke of Mordecai. She said, pray, and they prayed and fasted for three days, and then she was determined to do the right thing. And she said, if I perish, I perish. I'm going to go to the king. I'm going to do it because this is the right thing to do. We need more people in our sin. I'm going to do the right thing. I don't care, what the, I don't care the consequences anymore. The Bible says that we are given not the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power. Stop living in fear. Start living in power. Amen? God has called you to do great things. So our duty, and let me finish it up, letter A, is the request to the king. Esther went to the king. He extended his royal staff because she had favor. You see, some of you have favor with your boss, but you don't realize it. You have favor. God will give you favor when you need favor to change the world, to change people. I guarantee you, God will not harm you for doing the right thing. The last, last thing, let it be, is what will you do now? What will you do now? Will we continue to live in this false comfort of our society? Will we continue to think, as long as I just do my thing, keep my head down, I'm just going to make it? Or we're going to say, you know what, I don't care what, I don't care what the world throws at me, but I'm going to live and I'm going to live my life for God. I'm going to do something. I've been created for such a time as this. I've been created to do something now for God and God is calling us to do something for Him now. Amen? Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me this morning? Let, it, let us be like Esther's to our society, to our nation, to our workplace, to our homes, to our communities. God is calling us to rise up for such a time as this. Amen? He's calling us 
to, for such a time as this. Will you live a life of significance? Will you begin to make your life count? It's all up to you. God will not force you to live your life. He's given you talents. He's given you abilities. He's watching you to see how faithful to you you are. And some of you need to be faithful with the small things that He gives you. And then watch Him open doors for bigger responsibilities. Amen? But right now, every one of us can be a light in our workplaces, our homes, our neighbors. We can get on our knees. Matthew 18, 18 and 19 said that, that whatever we bind in heaven will be bound on earth. Whatever we loose in heaven will be loose on earth. So you and I can pray against the onslaught of evil. We can bind it in the name of Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? We can pray against it. And then it says, where two or three gather in my name, I am in the midst. And whatever you ask in my name will be given. We need to start asking things in the name of Jesus. You and I need to get together with two or three believers and begin to pray for big things. Amen? Church, I'm sorry I changed... Well, I'm not really sorry. I know this is a tough sermon today. And it's fascinating. Uh, the last few weeks have just been tough. I'm telling you, every time I come into Sunday, I have a different message, but the Holy Spirit is telling me, it's time for the church to wake up. Will, will we be the church? Father, well, I'm just praying for this great church. I am an honor to be here, Lord. And I, I know this message was tough. And I pray that they hear the Word of God and the Spirit of God, not Stan Nelson. But Lord, I pray that you would impress upon every heart, every spirit that we've been called for such a time as this. We've been called to be light and salt in our workplaces, in our homes, our neighborhoods, in our community. Lord, for your glory. That Father, we can no longer live in in the comfort of this false peace that we have in our own little world that we have created. Because those worlds are, are about to be changed, God. And I pray that you'd rise up in this church, Esther's, Moses's, David's, Joshua's, who will say, I'm going to do the right things. Daniel, Shadrachs, Meshachs, and Abednego, who say, I will stand up for Christ no matter what society says about me. Because you will bless and honor those type of people, God. Let us not conform to the world anymore. Let us not be brainwashed by, by politics or the world system. But let us be the change to the politics, to be changed to this world that we need, God. Would you rise up, let this church rise up in 